Enough blood, I'm bored of it now. good thing about Sabrina is that everybody in the show is American except for Satan who's got a British accent and I was like he does he's yeah can you imagine though Satan coming out and be like hi y'all because it it has to be some posh clipped like English guy you cannot have Satan coming out and being fucking American and while I absolutely hate it I do enjoy listening to his London accent going Lilith 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 (laughs) is everyone's like Lilith 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 even is that British accent? Is that just received pronunciation? It probably... I haven't heard him, but if it's a villain voice, then yeah, it's received pronunciation. I don't think the Cockneys in London people say Lilith. No, they're probably like, Lilith! Lilith! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Lilith! I think that Satan would absolutely have a Cockney accent. I fucking love to have a Cockney accent. <laughs> just come out, it's like, oh, God, Mum, who's going to go down to your rub-dub and get you up, up and in your ass? And it's like... What? <laughs> He'd just be facing down guard and arching Angel Michael. You're like, listen, Gov, I don't think I really like your way of ruling things up here. Oh, wait, is, is this London in South Africa? <laughs> yes. It's like, you know how there's like Paris, Texas. This is like London, South Africa. That's that's how we do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm down for this lark, <laughs> this way of ruling things. So I'm off to go have a nice braai in hell. Thanks very much. Oh, right. I'm Satan, innit? Like, I'm going and going, oh, the apples and pears, it's all right, because it's good, and you know what I mean? I'm Satan. What are you going to do, Gov? What are you going to do? Oh, them panties, <laughs> fucking, fucking useless cunt. <laughs> We're including this. Of course we are. <laughs> Comedy gold. <laughs> it's like, I want my Satan person to be a hedonist. You'd be staggeringly drunk at all points, and just sort of like... I love that train wreck that's like, they're just kind of hot at the moment, but they're just on the cusp of going, spiraling down mm. into being gross, where they look they look kind of tired, they look, but it's kind of like that sexy sort of like rock star sort of look where, mm. you know. So you're saying about, David Bowie? Kind, no, David Bowie's far too pretty. I mean, sort of like a, uh, like maybe a Sex Pistols kind of like a bit more punk than that. Like they, mm. they've been up all night fucking everyone and having a party and they're really hungover, but they're still drinking. And so it's like, they're still just kind of hot and rock and roll. You've got to have that moment of indecision where it's like, would I fuck that? I am so attracted. I have to. <laughs> yeah. Plus my aesthetic is someone that probably looks like they should probably go to the hospital. It's like, <laughs> they look a little bit ill. And I think... My perfect Satan. It's fine. He can be British. <laughs> Sorry, just love our... Now, describe your perfect Satan to me. <laughs> I mean, he would look like Mads Mikkelsen. No lie. <sighs> have you seen him in a suit? I've seen him in a I, suit. We have seen him in a suit in my dreams. I see him <laughs> in a suit whenever I close my eyes. I see him in a suit whenever I see a child smile. I had a nightmare about him last night. No! Was it good? <laughs> I dreamt that he contracted rabies. And I was like, oh no, I need to check up on him. And then I went on Twitter and he was dead and everybody was tweeting about it. <laughs> I had a dream the other day about Josephine Baker and I woke up and I was like, oh, I've learned so many new facts about Josephine Baker. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, wait, no, that's dreams. Dreams, dreams aren't real. So your perfect Satan looks like Mads, who does not have rabies. He dresses very well. You don't Of ha- course. You don't have that question in your mind. Yeah. But my perfect Satan makes sense when he tells you about hell, where he espouses his philosophy and you're like, yes, that's very humanist. What excellent point, Satan. Mm. Very good. Mm. You have to slowly become aware of the bad things about him. Mm. It's not just like, I want to rule everyone and everything and I'm going to lie to humans. And no, no. No. He's got to make sense and have good points and not fall for fucking masquerade (laughs) sung in a boob dress. Thank you. I just, yeah, because that's the whole point that he's supposed to be 
I guess that sort of serial killer that we really like gravitate to is that charming lures, hypnotizes you kind of thing. And he's not an idiot. He's smart. He's the prince of lies. He's the light bringer. He's all those good things. And then he like lures you into it and you're like, oh no. You don't even have to be like, oh no, because who says Satan has to be bad? Mm. He's just anti-God. Yeah. So... You've got to face, like, the the prejudice about him mm-hmm. and then realize that actually he's got a few points. Yeah. Much like Hannibal. You're like, cannibals are bad. Yeah. But, but that steak looks delicious. And actually, some people are very rude and deserve <laughs> to be baked in pies. And the world would be a much better place if we actually ate them. That's right. The other day, someone drove past a puddle and splashed me in their car. And also, I didn't currently have a pie. And so I was like, this could kill two birds with one delicious stone. So. (laughs) Oh, oh, shit. Uh, This is Everything is All Forever. (laughs) We needed to introduce this podcast 15 minutes ago. So that's how we feel about Satan. This is Everything is Awful Forever. We talk about the past and how funny it was because everyone died. I'm Philippa Evans. I'm Jessica Byrne. Part woman, part panther. This may contain traces of Philippa. There we go. Tell me things. This is always how I, like, introduce how you're going to talk. I'm like, (laughs) Tell me things. Go! Do it! Please me, Philippa! Entertain me if I don't like it. I don't know. I don't really have anything that I can do to you. Alright. Witches. Witches. Witches get stitches. It just rhymes with so many things. <laughs> this could go on, but let's not. <laughs> Last time on the Witchfinder General. Oi, Burner, she's a witch. No, this is England. We don't burn them, we hang them, Charles. <laughs> what? Okay, put in the prison <laughs> That's what happened. I know. I've summarised it very well you now. Did. I can just move on with yeah, my well, life. Well, the Donna is good. <laughs> So last week we were talking about Matthew Hopkins and John Stern, our self-appointed witch-finder generals. <laughs> Which is what's going on my tombstone, yeah. So we last left our self-appointed witch-finders in Essex, terrorizing the poor, exploiting the desperate like the stand-up gentlemen they were. By the end of last episode, there were 30 women in the extremely inhumane Colchester prison, Mm. and Matthew Hopkins and John Stone were planning a road trip. Road trip! (laughs) Let's go find more witches and put them in the hole. Gonna burn them at the stick, so find me some good coal. Yeah! (laughs) So yeah, they, they'd just been in Essex up until now, because this was the place in which they were given their warrant to find witches. Mm-hmm. From here, they moved up into Suffolk, and in the whole of their little Suffolk tour, they brought 170 witches to light. It was much riskier going through Suffolk than it was in Essex, because it was a less Puritan county. Mm. Essex was really this coherent Puritan, oh, we gotta find the witches, kind of place. Mm. Whereas Suffolk, eh, there there were pockets of Puritanism, but it wasn't as... It's a bit more farmery there. I can see how they'd be a bit more chilled. Nice cider. One way of finding places in Suffolk that would welcome the witch finders was by following the footsteps of a man called William Dowsing. William Dowsing had also made up a fancy title for himself, that of Iconoclast General. Can you do that? Because I'm going to right now. I was going to say that's what I would like to be called from now on. Thank you, Iconoclast General. Oh my god. Can it can it be that? That's what Philippa it means. Philippa Evans, destroyer of icons. I like it. That sounds very way much. better. So in the name of a Puritan god, Dowsing had travelled through England in 1644, destroying and removing offensive Catholic artworks, monuments, altars, and statues. So he just would go to churches and be like, break it, destroy it. <laughs> just go and look around and do a thumbs down, and then people would start like ripping art from the walls. Looking at a statue of Mary and being, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, mm, derivative. <laughs> and then it gets uh, destroyed. It was very much a queer eye for the straight guy. And she's like, none of this works, darling. 
Catholicism is so 1500s. We're going, I don't know what queer actually does. Do they do that? Do they, do they pimp your house or do they pimp your clothes? Um, all of it. So all like Tan will come and like tell you, you you need to wear less shoulder pads and like that shit. And then this one guy does your house. They each they each have an area. Okay, so he, he's the one who does the, the churches. <laughs> he just comes in, he's like, stained glass is... Very medieval. This is the Reformation, darling. Mm. No, no, it all has to be smashed. Smash it now. Mm. Thank you. So that was William Dowsing. Great. <laughs> I do Villain. history a service. <laughs> <laughs> now John Stone and Matthew Hopkins followed in his wake, but this time they were purging communities of offensive people. <laughs> Even better. Oh, it's that classic escalation. You start with the art. Smash the statues. Now the witches. Smash the faces. They were basically Mary Condoing England. Oh, the foldy lady! The foldy lady! Yeah. yeah! So so they were basically going around holding up women and going, does this witch spark joy in your life? <laughs> and people were like, no, she killed my pig! They'd give her like the witch a little hug and then be like, thank you for your long service into the pit. And they'd throw her there. Yeah, great. <laughs> it's It's very contemporary. Excellent. So, <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> so to cover more ground, Stern and Hopkins split up. Stern took the western side of the county and Hopkins took the east. And they just kind of went around on this long loop, raising hells. They went along. Mm. Stern, he, taking the west, he kind of like would go to a place and then he'd go back home and go to a place, go back home because he was married and had children and stuff like oh, that. Oh, we have to tend to them, I hear. Whereas Matthew was an eligible bachelor and he just went on this big loop around the <laughs> east of um, Suffolk. So this might surprise you, but 17th century England was very repressed. <laughs> and as the witchfinders went through it, a lot of guilt, shame and resentment got stirred up. My monocle them. just fell out of my eye. What, what, what? Pardon me? We don't say the S word, <laughs> young lady. What's the S word? Sex. <gasps> you just said it! Burn them all. So women confessed to being pleasured by their imps, experiencing sensations and activities denied to them in day-to-day -day life. Like, one woman was like, yeah, I just keep my imps in a little bag around my privates and they tickle me. <laughs> but for real. And... How does that translate to, like, real life or anything? Like, what are they saying? Why are they saying that? <laughs> Why did they come up with this? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> One of them refers to her imps as, like, little butterflies fluttering around her vagina. Oh. Which we all want. Oh. Male and female witches often named their familiars after their masters, disrupting the status quo by reducing the people who ruled them, at least in name, to the position of animals. Mm. So if your landlord was Gregory, then your little toad imp would be called Gregory, mm. which kind of just revealed their desire to take control. But the only things that servants had control over were animals, so... If I was going to sell my soul to Satan, I would definitely have a little bit of vengeance on the menu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've got a list of names. I've got things I'd Who do. doesn't? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But that would come after the positive things. Yeah. There are things that I would want for me first. Mm. Like fixing climate change or being able to make say the real things first fine world peace making a perfect mermaid smoothie bowl that's just it's yes. on the list oh my god satan yes. i want a smoothie bowl satan that's really doable don't be lazy come mm -hmm. on we've got small desires spruce up my instagram yeah <laughs> But the people being accused of witches in the 1600s very seldom asked for anything for themselves or received anything from themselves. It was all vengeance. Like, they just wanted <laughs> revenge. Mm, different time. A harder time. I think maybe the Great Chain of Being, I don't know if that was still a belief around about the mid-1600s. Mm. The idea that everything had its place in the universe and you could never leave that place mm. so now we're like mm, i'd actually quite like a billion dollars thank you very much yeah. and i will buy all the skulls <laughs> whereas for them i don't know if they had this idea that they could only be a farmer forever yeah you can't be a lord because you were born as a servant it's like you are ordained to be you were born a peasant and that's that and it's just like continue making parsnips so I, I don't know how entrenched that idea was, yeah. but mm. they did seem to think that not even Satan could 
lift them out of their station oh. in life. <laughs> Mildred, you can be better. You can be whatever you want to be, Mildred. Mildred. You want you, you want to be a fairyologist, Mildred? You, you do that. You can do it. So instead, they just hope to reduce the people who abused them to their own level of suffering. Aww. So you could bring people down, mm. but they weren't like, yeah, Satan, I, I would very much like a lot of money and someone to make me coffee in the morning. Very few of these witches were like voluntarily confessing all of this to Matthew Hopkins. Uh-huh. So maybe it's- when you're being tortured... Vengeance is all that comes out. Yeah, like I imagine someone's like fucking stabbing you in the knees, and all you can think about is like, you know what? I wish you were being stabbed in the knees right now. And and he writes it down, preoccupied with vengeance, <laughs> being stabbed in the knees, and you're like, fine, I want good smoothie balls. That's all I want, Matthew. I want a cake, and I prayed to Satan, and he finally bought me the Witcher three. <laughs> what witch? Witch? So that's how it works. I want a switch so I can play Stardew Valley on the go and also Breath of the Wild. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> so these confessions were most were usually extracted under torture. They were being tortured by being deprived of sleep, amongst other things. Oh. Uh, of course, the witch finders didn't actually write notes about their torture. They, they'd record what the people said, but they wouldn't be like, and after three days of no sleep and being poked with the pointy thing, they confessed. No, they mm. just left that part out. So going through the endless, endless list of women and some men whom Hopkins interrogated would take forever, and it gets a little bit repetitive. Yeah. But there are a couple of standout moments. Yay. One was a woman called Margaret Wyatt. Weird? Margaret Wyatt? She was a widow living on handouts, accused of blasting cornfields and killing babies. (laughs) As they all were. Killing babies. Blasting cornfields. What does that mean? Killing the corn. And this, that's actually quite a relevant thing, because you had that corn disease that mold that grew on crops mm. it was called ergots oh yeah right. and and mm. it caused hallucinations amongst other things mm. when you're hallucinating flying donkeys ergots yeah but blasting the cornfields i think it's just destroying the corn like diseasing it or because i am picturing someone like shooting fire from their hands like in scary room blast that's all i could think of i cast magic missile <laughs> <laughs> So, Margaret Wyatt told Hopkins about how Satan had told her that he was her husband now and wanted to get it on with her. And And punching above your weight, Margie. (laughs) He's just not that into He's unavailable emotionally. So according to her, he appeared to her as a very handsome man. Mm. And they had some sexy times. Great. It's all very Fifty Shades of Grey. He released butterflies into her vagina, yeah. Absolutely. That's what I like my men to do. (laughs) We've got a jar on hand. Then she got really grumpy and said that Satan made a very shit baby daddy. (laughs) Because he led her on. Pay child support. He used her body, but then left her with seven imps to feed. (laughs) And no child support. (laughs) And she was like... I have seven witch's teeth and all these fucking imps to feed on my blood just draining me dry. And where's Satan? Not in the picture. Does he pick them up from school? I don't think so. He's at the pub with the boys. (laughs) And Matthew Hopkins is just sitting writing this down being like, terrible father. (laughs) (laughs) Another reason to hate Satan. Terrible dad. Again, I can see Matthew Hopkins being like, well, he is called the father of lies. Margaret, Margaret. Like, look, glances like Margaret. <laughs> I think you can either guess Mary or Margaret, and it's like, yes, that's what the women were called. It was one of those two names. And that's all there it, is. So, in the last episode, we looked at a couple of ways of rooting out a witch. You could deprive him or her of sleep and then extract a confession. If that's not working, make them run around the room until they collapse. So, just tie them to a chair. Watch them for 24 hours. If they're like, I'm not going to tell you anything, untie them, run them around the room, tie them down again. And then keep them awake for another three nights and see what they come up with. (laughs) That would work on anyone. You would just say things. You just start dreaming while awake. So Mm -hmm. of course you're going to come up with fucking demons. Mm -hmm. 
Or you could search for the witch's teats. That was the... just an excuse to have a look around and rummage around, wasn't it? They were gentlemen. Women were always searched by women. Oh. There's a couple of occasions where John Stone has to search a man for teats. And he's like, what is this? Ex- <laughs> this better not awaken anything in me. <laughs> Um, he's like, I'll, I'll take a look at you. <laughs> <laughs> so you could search for the witch's teats that the witch used to suckle her familiar. If you can't find any teats, then you can find invisible ones by means of pricking with needles. But remember that witch's teats are numb to pain, so you need a fake retractable needle to find the invisible teats. And this one I didn't mention the last time, but you could swim a witch. So you would tie her two thumbs together and her big toes together so that she's kind of hands and feet bound together. I can imagine, like, you know how you need to, like, tie someone to a pole to, like, you know, dangle them? Doesn't make any sense. I have not made that better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they used to... There was a ducking stool for scolds, for women who nagged. So you basically tie a woman to a chair, and then that chair would be tied to, like, a big pole, like like a pair of scales. And then that would dunk the woman in and out of the water over and over again to punish her for talking. Wow. Yeah. So there were ducking schools that were used for just all women, but for witches, you would tie her thumbs together and her big toes together, and then you would tie a rope around her waist, and men on either side of the water would hold the ends of the rope to stop her from being washed away by the river. Oh my god. And then you would dunk her in. And if the witch sank, she was innocent. Of witchcraft, at least, because we all know she'd done something. (laughs) And if she floated in the water, well, that was the pure baptismal waters rejecting her. So she was guilty of witchcraft. But I don't know how much people in the 1600s knew about rope tension. But if you've got people on either side of the body of water holding the rope, controlling the tension, then let's just say that they could control whether or not she sank or floated. So people would be like, yeah, we were poking her with big sticks and she still didn't sink, obviously a witch. But the science didn't check out. (laughs) Also, uh, I just want to say that human beings generally do kind of float. I know she's been like sort of tied up in more of a ball, but like you float. You don't like bob around like a cock, but, you know. Later on, people who were exposing the flaws in this method (laughs) were like, women have very spongy bodies, (laughs) and therefore they do float naturally. And that was their argument. So (laughs) Spongy. That's how I'm going to describe anyone sexy from now on. It's like, look at the sponge on that. She's a porous woman, no mistake. (laughs) So King James I was quite keen on this method of swimming witches, at least for a little while before he became a bit more skeptical. But even at the time of the the witch finders, it was classified as assault. And if the well, acute, <laughs> I mean, just a bit, really, a little bit. I like to call it a minor inconvenience. I don't think it's assault. It's more, you know, like a hassle. They did understand that if the accused witch drowned, that that did constitute murder. Yeah. <laughs> so it was illegal. You weren't supposed to swim a witch, right? Oh. But, I mean, we all know that laws are really just guidelines. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Barbosa. He's such a good pirate. (laughs) And this way of testing for witchcraft wasn't uncommon, and probably happened a lot more than it was recorded. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're not going to record down that you did the illegal thing, really, let's say that. All of these methods were dishonest. (laughs) And... People weren't that stupid. You did have quite a few people who didn't fall for them. In one instance, to the very north of Suffolk, near the Norfolk border, one woman stood up for one of her neighbours who'd been taken by the witchfinders and was undergoing the tortures of insomnia and starvation. So this woman was being kept awake and marched around the room and denied food. This woman's neighbour, the one who's being tested for witchcraft, had confessed to having an imp called Nan. So this woman who was watching her neighbor being tortured, was like, ain't nobody got time for this bullshit. (laughs) So she got her husband, and the two of them chased the witch finders away, and they gave her some meat and put her to bed. But when she woke up, they asked her, they were like, you said you had this imp called Nan. Where where did that come from? Turns out it was a pet chicken. Oh, chicken, (laughs) Because you're going crazy from sleep deprivation. You're like, yeah, um, I have this animal thing in my life, and it's Nan. One woman was so lonely that she used to refer to the log in her house as Belzebub and a stick as, like, Bullabub, I can't remember. 
then when they did the sleep deprivation torture, she was like, Belzebub and Bullabub, my imps. And it was really just a log that she used to talk to because she was alone. Oh, no. Poor woman. Because the women being accused of witchcraft were widows and outcasts and they they Mm. didn't have... Imagine just like there's that weirdo, you know, and it's just kind of strange and, you know. There's always that one. I mean, it's us. That weirdo is us and that's why we're doing this. Absolutely. So this is why I feel for them. While all of this was going on, you had the Civil War and the plague. So mm. you're going to have a lot of poor, impoverished people in, in your communities and you're going to resent them. And so get rid of them. Mm. Accuse them of being witches. A log that she talks to. That might be the single saddest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I think we should all phone our grandmothers right now. Oh, I'm not going to. But I do love my grandma a lot. <laughs> I'm not I just not to. enough to call her. <laughs> so Hopkins eventually made his way to the parish of Brandis- Brandiston? Brandiston. Where one of his victims, John Lowe's, stands out. Firstly, because he was a man, mm. which was relatively unusual. I mean, there were men accused of witchcraft, but the, the majority of the people being accused were women. Secondly, he was a vicar. Which, oh, ooh. the plot thickens. Mm. The plot vickens. <laughs> 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 so at this time, he was nearly 80 years old. And he was... Oh, it's, it just is like, it gets cuter and cuter. It's like a man. Oh, he was a vicar. Oh, he was 80. Oh, he raised puppies. Oh. They hanged him. <laughs> so he was a little bit more Catholic than some people would like. And he was very unpopular in his community because he used to keep oh. taking people to court. Okay. And they were like, Jan, you got to stop. You can't keep suing people. And he was like, never. <laughs> I don't like him anymore. No, he doesn't have puppies. <laughs> He'd been accused of witchcraft before, about 30 years earlier, (laughs) and he came out of it without any conviction. But now, Matthew Hopkins heard rumours about the previous charges, and some of the women that he'd been torturing suggested that he was the leader of their unholy covens. Coven? Coven. Coven. Not covens. (laughs) So, Lowe's was arrested again for witchcraft. And this 80-year-old man was kept awake and made to run around a room over several days and starved and pricked, over many days and nights until he was completely unaware of what he said or did and he still didn't confess wow he was then thrown into the water (laughs) oh my god where matthew hopkins reported that he floated like a witch Mm -hmm. and eventually just exhaustion overcame him and he confessed yeah witch's marks were found in his head and under his tongue where he'd suckled his imps and just completely insane from all this torture he confessed to sinking a number of ships and was dragged before a magistrate and imprisoned in Ipswich. i love that thing where it's like if you don't confess you'll do more and more stuff until you get the confession confession extracted under torture always works that's you're always telling the truth so our witch finders had been exposing witch covens they'd been taking extensive notes going oh you slept with satan how big was he i mean yeah. uh, what's your name's name <laughs> and they'd been rousing communities against their undesirables because they wanted all of this evidence they wanted to understand how witchcraft worked because they didn't want the woman that they got in prison to be acquitted. Mm. So now about 180 to 200 people had been imprisoned in Ipswich and in Colchester Castle in Essex, which we talked about last episode, where everyone was suffering cold, hunger, dampness, physical pain, typhus, the bubonic plague, jail fever. God, what a nightmare. All the good things. So now it was time for the first trial. And it was one of the largest ever witch trials to take place in England. It took place in Chelmsford on Thursday the 17th of July, 1645. And it involved the 29 accused witches who'd been imprisoned in Colchester Castle. This was episode one. And it was like a festival! Yay! It was all the fun! Yay! People travelled to Chelmsford to see the event live! Yeah! You could buy food in the streets, there was entertainment... People constructed platforms that would give a good view of the gallows. Oh, that sounds like a fucking great time. Sounds oh, like Glastonbury. All the best things. Yeah. 
So you'll remember some of the victims from the last episode. There was Anne West, whose daughter Rebecca gave evidence against her to escape trial. Elizabeth Clark, the one-legged old widow who was absolutely a witch. Yeah. I don't care what verdict they came to in court. She was that, a witch. That's the only one that I really believe. Was she the one that killed the pig? She cursed that one man's wife mm. so that she was sick and killed two cows as they were walking by her house. Yeah, you could see it in her eyes. These women had been imprisoned with no sunlight for nearly four months now. Oh my god. While the witch finders had their little world tour. Now they were dragged out, put on carts, and taken to Chelmsford, where they knew they were going to most likely die. I was just going to say, like, these women had been without sunlight for four months. Yeah, it's called winter in England. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. No, that's normal. (laughs) The trial took place in the Shire House in Chelmsford, and people clustered round in the square. They were unable to fit in the building because there were so many of them beating on the doors. It must have been very pretty because a whole bunch of them, they knew that jail fever spread like the plague in prison. So they all took bouquets of flowers with them, little Um, nosegays of flowers, and they scattered petals among the pews um, and on the books just to protect everybody from the fever that was running around like wildfire. I love the, um, this smells nice, it'll waft away the miasma and the bad <laughs> evil spirits of ill. So the 29 women pled not guilty, and the crowd spat and hissed at them. Their abuse just grew as Matthew Hopkins took to the stand and testified against them, because people were just caught up in this witch hysteria. Mm. All but one of them were found guilty, although nine more women were reprieved afterwards. What does the trial consist of? Basically like a trial on TV now. Like, the w- the women would be allowed to speak, you would bring witnesses against them. Mm. I-, I just, I love that they're all found not guilty, so it's like, you're a witch! No, I'm not. That's what a witch would say! <laughs> guilty! And then that's it. Pretty much. Like, <laughs> they'd, they'd let the woman speak, and some of them would be like, yes, I'm a witch, and I let I carry my arms in a bag around my nervous, and totally slept with Satan, and others would be like, no, I don't remember saying any of this, I've had a nap now and I feel much better, thank you. (laughs) But then you'd bring Matthew Hopkins to the stage and you'd be like, well, they floated. I mean, I didn't do the swimming (laughs) test. They they just went for a swim and I noticed that they floated. And the witnesses would come up and be like, well, they killed my pig. (laughs) That was the trial. (laughs) All but one of them were found guilty. Um, and they were sentenced to be suspended by the neck until dead. Fifteen of them were scheduled to be hanged in Chelmsford and four in Manningtree. The next day, on Friday the 18th of July, 15 women were taken to the gallows. Mm-hmm. Margaret Moon, who I mentioned in the last episode, died on the way. She just collapsed under the strain. Oh, I know. One by one, the women climbed the ladder and were pushed off by the executioner to hang until dead. Mm. For the nine women who sought reprieve, this was a process that took anywhere from five months to several years, (laughs) and at least three of them died in prison. But Matthew Hopkins and John Stern didn't have time to rest on their laurels. Mm. They were preparing for more trials, this time in Bury St. Edmunds. Mm. So this time it wouldn't be so easy because news of the Chelmsford trial and the unauthorized witch-finder general had reached Parliament, and they thought that all this witch-hanging sounded a little bit extreme. What king was ruling at this point? Well, well, it was Charles I, but he was fighting with Parliament, Mm. so it was the Civil War going on right now. And that's actually what allowed these witch trials to take place, because nobody was regulating this shit. (laughs) (laughs) But no, king, what do we it's like we have to rule ourselves get witches and kill them they're like we're fighting our king the world is fucking topsy-turvy guys <laughs> so they were like this cat birthed a nine-headed kitchen and this woman gave birth to a baby without a head everything's oh, wrong this is why we need kings exactly it, it was a crazy time and it was the civil war so mm. And Parliament especially thought that this was a bad thing because they heard about John Lowe's, the vicar, that he was one of the accused. And they thought, now this sounds fucking crazy. I mean, one-legged widow's fine, but 80-year-old male vicars, what are you doing? (laughs) It's like, all these women have been accused and it's fine. And like, yeah, whatever. And there was a man in there, what? (laughs) This is ridiculous, crazy, crazy, fix this. So they weren't going to stop the trials. Why would they do that? It's good fun. It's all a lark. But they were going to make sure that everything was all nice and legal. Good. So they'd been... (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> they'd heard about the torture and they were like, well, we want voluntary confessions now, please. And no swimming witches, that's wrong. So the trial was set for Tuesday the 26th of August and as many as 150 Ipswich prisoners were transported to Bury St Edmunds by cart this time while the gallows was being built in the market square. More people were acquitted at this trial, although a large number were still sentenced to death. Most surprisingly, including John Lowe's the vicar, who, when he took the stand, was like, I absolutely am not a witch, and I was tortured into making the confession that I made, which I don't remember because sleep deprivation, and he still got sentenced huh. to death, which... Maybe they just didn't like the cut of his jib. Mm, I, th- I think he was fairly unpopular. <laughs> Everyone's just whispering like, it's not a chance to get rid of this guy. Yeah, I think he's a witch. He killed my pig. By the end of the day, 16 women and two men were sentenced to death by hanging. But the trial had to be suspended as the troops were mobilizing in Cambridge to defend the city against Charles I. Mm. So about 100 people went back to prison and waited there for like, I don't know how long, mm. months to, to resume their trials. Mm. The convicted, in the meantime, were locked in a barn at the edge of the town where they spent the night singing a psalm. And the next morning, they were led to the gallows. John Lowe's performed his own funeral services. Oh, John! (laughs) And then they were forced to climb up one of a series of ladders, all in a row, and hanged. Some of them taking up to half an hour to die. Oh, I bet that was really boring. I don't think it relates to the witch trials, but I have read accounts of executions Mm. and about, like, children hanging from the legs of their parents to bring about their end sooner. Ah, that's a good fact. That's That's bad. Dark. That's dark, dark, but, ooh, that's good. I liked that. (laughs) Ugh, awful. They were then buried in pits beneath the gallows or behind the jail, or they'd get buried in the unconsecrated parts of the churchyard. And just to be that little bit extra petty... Sometimes they were weighted down by stakes or rocks to prevent them from rising on Judgment Day. Because <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> but by now, the tide was starting to turn against the witchfinders. It was very expensive to house prisoners and to carry out the trials because you had to pay for the magistrates, mm. who you know, these rich men coming to your town and eating all your swans. <laughs> and you also had to pay the witchfinders. And their search woman, the woman who pricked for teats, and they all charged an exorbitant sum for their services. Yeah. You're in the middle of a civil war, so this is not an expense that is easily borne. Mm. It's, and it's the people who are paying for this. So the last victim of Hopkins that I'll mention is quite unique for the way in which she was executed. Mary Lakeland was sentenced to be burned at the stake. It's a common myth that witches were burned in England for quite a few reasons. One of them is that... Witches were very tangled up with Catholics in people's minds. Mm. And Catholics had been burned during Mary's time as heretics. Also, witchcraft was a common crime in England, so witches were hanged. But in Scotland and the rest of Europe, witches were burned for heresy. So people, when they think about England, just throw it in with the rest of Europe and go, oh yeah, they were burned, absolutely. Mm. But no, they were hanged. Mm. But in England... Killing your husband was punishable by death by burning. Right. Just as rising up against God was heresy, rising up against your natural the God of the Lord household. and husband. That's right. Exactly. Mm. It was seen as like petty treason. Oh God. Fucking patriarchy. <laughs> so Mary was about fifty years old and married to John, who was a barber. And she was renowned for her piety, and we know what that means. Mm. Which So along with another woman, Alice Denham, Mary was charged with setting a pair of dog-like imps on a man who'd called in a debt, as well as his son, killing them both. So torture made Mary confess to how she'd committed these crimes and converted to Satanism, and amongst that she confessed to a whole bunch of other acts of witchcraft. Her granddaughter was engaged to a man called Henry Reed, who later called off the engagement. Mary confessed to commanding an imp to burn his ship and to make Henry rot with illness because she was the angry grandma. Mm -hmm. So a tumour had grown on his leg, apparently in the shape of her dog imp, (gasps) which caused him constant pain. But she wasn't just a murderer. She was also a traitor because she apparently tortured and killed her husband. Uh Mm Uh-oh. Allegedly. Burn her. Burn her. Burning a woman, burning anyone is a particularly horrible way to kill them. I can't imagine a worse way, honestly. Mm. That's like one of my nightmare situations. It's not like you see it in the movies. 
Mm. And uh, we covered ourselves and go, but they would have died from smoke inhalation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no. Mary was lowered into a barrel of pitch and then tied to a post set in the ground. Oh my god. And then the executioner would light the straw around her and the fire would just rip onto her body. It would actually throw the body off of the pole because (gasps) the ropes would burn away. Yeah. If Mary was lucky, the executioner would have garroted her first or struck her in the sternum, stopping her heart, if she was lucky. We don't know. The fire would also last all night until she was reduced to ash because a witch that dangerous, you don't want any part of her to remain. Mm. Weirdly and unfortunately, as Mary burned... Henry Reed, her victim, was miraculously cured. Oh, which... he woke up that morning and was like, "Hey, I'm, I'm all right, Mary." Ah, oh, shit, that was today, wasn't it? <laughs> Fuck. It just cemented her guilt in everyone's minds because they were suppose, like, "Yeah, the witch yeah. is gone, and he's better." Look, it absolutely was witchcraft. <laughs> So Hopkins rode this wave of hysteria for as long as he could, and his reign of terror lasted about two years. More witches were hanged, but as I said, people were kind of turning against his methods of finding witches (laughs) and the expenses that he incurred. Mm. So he never relived his glory days of the early witch trials, the ones that took place in Chelmsford. He claimed to be doing God's work, but I I smell hypocrisy. (laughs) This whole thing, you're like, and I'm... Still not quite sure that it was God's work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not convinced. Uh, Not not thoroughly, anyway. He charged a lot of money for his (laughs) services for coming to a parish and living very luxuriously at their local inns. And he often earned in a week what some people earned in months or years. (laughs) So, So people were turning against him because of the expense. But not just the expense. Some people did find this a little ethically ambiguous. (laughs) (laughs) So one cleric, John Gall, who was quite the skeptic, preached against Hopkins and wrote a book denouncing his methods of finding witches, Mm. saying that they were inhumane and unreliable. The book he wrote was called Select Cases of Conscience, Touching Witches and Witchcraft, and it had quite a big influence on all the magistrates who were carrying out these witch trials. When it came to a trial that took place in Norfolk, the magistrates had some questions for Hopkins. First of all, he sure seemed to know an awful lot about finding witches. Did he maybe have a diabolical secret that gave him special knowledge? Takes one, no one. That's just like, you know, like schoolyard stuff. It's like, yeah, well, uh, you know, it's you. That's why. You know what I mean. You sm- <laughs> he who smelt it, dealt it. Yeah, but he who denied it, supplied it. So they all had a good laugh about that. <laughs> and then they were like, <laughs> but jokes aside, Hopkins. But seriously. <laughs> where does your knowledge come from? <laughs> like, Hopkins said that imps suck blood from witches for sustenance. And they were like, but actually, why should a spiritual being need physical blood to survive quantum est demonstrandum hopkins oh my god this goes straight to the top (laughs) so that was a valid question they were also like by the way hopkins people have warts and hemorrhoids and piles yep flaws exist just as a little aside they were like and also confessions extracted under torture don't work (laughs) we laugh Mm. but you know we, we still torture people now oh we absolutely do Finally, most importantly, they turned to Hopkins and were like, by the way, you seem to be making a lot of money out of this. Are you sure you're not just fleecing us? (laughs) And Hopkins was like, I'll get back to you. (laughs) Um, He's like reversing out the room. Clink, 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 clink. What's what's that jingling sound? Is it your money pockets? Nope. It's mad bones. (laughs) Goodbye. Clink, 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 clink. So they weren't questioning the reality of witchcraft. They were questioning the methods of finding them. Mm. And Hopkins did go and address their questions by writing a book called The Discovery of Witches. This is just so much. It's like someone does something shitty and everyone hates them for it. And then they write a fucking book about it and make loads of money doing that. Even Mm. more so. The book was terrible. Like he did not. They all are. They always are. (laughs) He did not answer their questions at all. Is it just like my witch journey by Hopkins? You know, ugh. Yeah, he was like, "You've accused me of fleecing you, and I didn't, and I didn't torture a woman, and you're a witch." And then he went on a talk show about it as well. Well, even better, he died. Yay! (laughs) And fuck you, dead. While he was working on his book. He succumbed to tuberculosis. Oh, dear. 
which took his life in 1647, and he was about 27 years old. Oh, he was young. You always you you think of him as this this older man. Yeah, but no, he he was quite young. Oh, that's really young. I mean, John Stone was about 10 years older than him. He was fortunate in a way. He didn't live to see the Amazon reviews of his book <laughs> because people fucking hated it, oh, really? and they fucking hated the Witchfinders by now. Mm. John Stone spent the rest of his life trying to vindicate the two of them without any success. Oh. <laughs> What's interesting, people just, they really wanted poetic justice for Matthew Hopkins. It wasn't good enough that he died of tuberculosis. So a lot of people, including legitimate historians, write that he was hanged as a witch. Oh, that's they, not true, though. Right? It's not true. He Damn it. He absolutely died of tuberculosis. But <laughs> back then and now, people are like, yeah, he... He was swum as a witch and hanged, mm. which is not true. It's mm. also said that the ghosts of his victims haunt Manning Tree. <laughs> and oh, there's just a whole bunch of weird fucking myths that sprung up around him. A common thing for Matthew Hopkins, when he was alive, people said that he'd somehow found Satan's book that listed the names of the riches, and that's how he knew who to accuse. But then the myth is that one day he was reading the book and found his own name. (gasps) (laughs) I love (laughs) that. led to his death. (laughs) That is the story of Matthew Hopkins and John Stone, which find a generals. Very, very good. You don't have any actual talents, and so you just make one up. Kind of like what we're doing right now. The cool thing is that, well, the cool thing, (laughs) when it was very risky to accuse a witch, because if she was acquitted, well, now you got a fucking angry witch living next door, and you better believe that something bad is going to happen. Yeah, it's like, how metal do you have to be to accuse someone of being a witch? It's like, you think that that person can kill you and curse you and, like, do all that stuff, and you go, yeah, like, you got to be kind of have some bowels to do that. You need some (laughs) bowels on you to actually accuse a magic hate hag (laughs) to, like, not kill you while you sleep. But with saddens me is that a lot of these people who were accused believed in their own minds Mm. of their guilt oh just because all of that repressed sexual shame came up or that loneliness Mm. or the resentment towards the people who were oppressing you and so they'd be like i must have you know (sighs) women we've always hated ourselves (laughs) society's always made us hate ourselves fucking hell embrace your witchy center if you if you need to be a witch then do it we still sometimes call people sluts and it's like oh i'm sorry this woman just enjoys sex like every human most humans i'm gonna asterisk that most humans (laughs) some don't and that's fine too fucking let's just all enjoy ourselves and leave everyone else alone how loud i'm being right now What I like to see is the words witch and slut being reclaimed. Yeah. And people starting to yeah, use yeah. them in a posi- well, in a, in a positive way, in a in a rebellious way. It's like the word bitch. Like I love I love the word bitch. Only in a positive mm. way. I never negatively call someone a bitch. I'm like, she's a fucking bitch. And I mean that you are a boss ass lady <laughs> who is great. You know? Well, you're a fucking Bitch, witch, bitch, witch, slutty, slutty, bitchy, slut, bitch, witch, hag. (laughs) I'm reclaiming hag right now. I'm absolutely reclaiming hag. This is the movement of hag and Philippa, you're a hag. (laughs) (laughs) My spirit animal is absolutely a sea hag. A sea hag specifically. Yes, I feel like she's salty Uh, and just stands on a rock with her grizzled face and her dreadlocks flying behind her, screaming at the storm. Ah, I love it. I love it. Bearing her grizzled breasts to the lightning, leading ships to destruction. Fuck yeah. That's my fantasy. I'm into it. I'm into it. (laughs) Reclaiming the idea of the tattooed body and the quote-unquote ugly body, like reclaiming old bodies and differently shaped bodies. I'm so for it because it's just, to me, boring more than anything. It's like, you want to be a... a we want to be witches. We want to be allowed to be how we look like. And we don't want to say that it's wrong. Older people exist. There's a different form of beauty than what you have channeled into us. And mm. we are ready to take that back. Live your mm. gremlin life. Live your goblin life. I think you are absolutely a demon. I think you're a gargoyle, actually. A gargoyle. Beautiful. 
Majestic. But a bit scary. <laughs> Made of stone. Stone. Yeah. Mm. You're a gargoyle. <laughs> I'm a demon. You're a gargoyle. Let's just get it done. <laughs> so do you have an, uh, some things are good sometimes? See, I've got loads because of my Ikea trip. I went to oh. Ikea. You start then. Tell me about your some things are good sometimes. So the other day I went to Ikea and I got a Venus flytrap. <laughs> and as I brought it into my home, my good Venus flytrap, it's already eaten like three flies. I can see like three, I think four actually. Oh. Four of the things are closed, which means like it's had like four flies. And I'm like, yes, you gluttonous plant. I've named it the prince. And uh, it's very good. Oh. That's my uh, Venus flytrap. It's great. Eating flies. Good shit. Mine is also plant related because it's my birthday soon. Yay! And I know what I'm getting because my partner always struggles to buy me presents. So he goes, what would you like? And then I tell him what I want. And <laughs> that way I get what I want. It's better than getting a shit surprise of like, I got you a kazoo. And it's like, I don't want this. Thank you. <laughs> there are only two things I love in life. And that is books and plants. You can't get me books because he doesn't know what I own. I own a lot of books. Yeah. So what I want for my birthday and what I'm getting is a hydroponic plant grower thing. Oh. It's also Ikea. Ikea! It is also Ikea. So <laughs> this I'm episode getting... is sponsored by Ikea. No, it's not. <laughs> Ikea, please pay us money. Yeah. <laughs> so I can buy more plant Oh my growers. god, I need more Venus fly traps. So I'm getting... My parents are funding this as well. Mm. I'm getting a double-layered hydroponic plant cultivation unit and I'm going to grow my own lettuce and my own <gasps> herbs. Oh, yay! Oh, I love that. That's a very good something's a good mm. sometimes. I'm very, very excited to start. Yes. Growing growing your own food is sometimes non-rewarding. Like, you can cultivate your fucking strawberry plant for six months and you get two strawberries, but I have high hopes for lettuce. Listen, I've got a peach tree and it has <laughs> produced one edible peach the entire time I've owned it which is four years and I loved that fucking little bum fruit more than anything I was so excited for my single peach I took photos of it every day watching it grow but right now my peach tree has like four little buds on it I might get four bum fruit I'm so fucking excited bum fruit (laughs) so we've mentioned this before but we would love to hear some of your awful stories we really want to do a mini-sode including stories from your lives. Yes! So do call your grandmother mm-hmm. or talk to random people mm-hmm. or fi- summon an imp and get it to tell you things. Listen, you're a goblin or a gargoyle or a hag or whatever you... Like, come out of your... Under from your bread, you troll, and talk to someone and get their story because I'm sure from whatever town or village you're from, there's some weird thing that that people used to do that's interesting and good and terrible. Tell us about your haunted closet or the eugenics program actioned by your high school. Mm -hmm. There's going to be something there Mm. and we absolutely want to hear it. We need it. You can email it to us at awfulforeverpodcast at gmail.com. Send your stories there so that we can make an awesome minisode and profit off of your labor. Yes, do work (laughs) for us because we already do too much. Thank you. My fingers get tired. Otherwise, if you want to hear us talk a little more, then follow us on Twitter. We are Awful Forever Pod. And there you go. We're done. Stop listening to us now.